Hi, I'm Cam, and this is the Nerdbook Review. And today we have an author interview with James Jenkins. He is another finalist in Spiffbo 2017. His novel is Jack Bloodfist Fixer. And real quick, we will get to the initial uh, little book review uh, synopsis. As usual, I'm going to give you my spiel of all the places you can reach me. You can reach us at nerdbookreview at gmail.com, at the Facebook page nerdbookreview, and on Twitter as the nerdbookreview. It's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. We do put our reviews up on Goodreads as well as the nerdbookreview. And last but not least, if you would be so kind as to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us, that would be greatly appreciated. Now let's go ahead and get into a brief synopsis and review of Jack Bloodfist. So, uh, first thing that I need to mention is that I listened to the book on audiobook. I believe that is the perfect medium to consume the novel. We get a running narrative of, a running commentary of the thoughts and feelings of Jack Bloodfist, the main character, as the book goes on. And I did read a review that they found that a little bit, from a reviewer who found it a little bit annoying and a little bit disconcerting having that running commentary. But with audiobook, it is just perfect. It's kind of like the uh, main character is talking to you, the listener. And it, the book kind of has that feel of uh, a little bit like a, 1930s detective novel. Um, I don't know if that's quite the right way to, to describe it, but that's kind of just how I... Um, that's, that's the best that I can think of at the moment. But it kind of has that feel, you know, he gets beat up occasionally, like he drives the old, you know, crappy car, and he's got a girl that he likes, and he's got to help his family out. Anyways, the... Just... It's a... On audiobook, I felt like all of those things that someone might find uh, difficult or um, take away from, I guess, is the word I'm trying to think of here. I think that those detective books and spy novels and things like that go real well on audiobook. Uh, That action and the narrative just are kind of fun to hear. And so that's kind of, uh, that's where I'm going with this, uh, to end my rambling. The novel takes place in a small town in West Virginia. We have a town where there are orcs and goblins. And they are, they came from a different plane of existence and through a portal. A wizard that, as far as I could tell, comes from Earth, uh, brings them there. He involved a family in a plot to try to take down a god on this other existence. And when, his, when that plot went poorly, the uh, wizard sent the orc, this one family of orcs and one family of goblins to Earth to try to stop them from the retribution that the gods' paladins were going to bring down upon them. Unfortunately, this only worked for a generation, and those paladins managed to find the orcs, and one of them in particular tries to uh, start slaughtering them with extreme prejudice. Our main character, uh, Jack Bloodfist, is a half-orc, half-goblin, his father had actually united these the goblin and orc clans, these two uh, uh, two families, and were a menace to the um, these paladins, and who were trying to wipe them out, and that's kind of why they attacked the god. So, all of this, uh, the backstory is important, and you kind of and it will be uh, you know taught or you'll understand as you go through. 
the fixer part of the book is actually more like his job description. Uh, Jack is the fixer and helps the goblins and the orcs both to coexist, and he also does things for them with the wider community of non-orcs and goblins. There are humans that know about their existence. There's also the the goblins also live in an apartment complex that are actually run owned by gnomes, and so one of his big things that he fixes. He helps stop the goblins from getting evicted by the gnomes on a regular basis after they do stupid things to the apartment building. There are a lot of other creatures that are native to Earth that are um, in the book. Appear uh, like elves. The the drow in particular are in this one, as are dwarves and werewolves and several other uh, supernatural creatures. This does take a little bit of a D&D feel with like the paladins and uh, orcs and all that stuff. But in this case, and it's something that I've always that I actually like and that I've always kind of thought of, um, especially with my uh, religion background, is that uh, usually uh, paladins and uh, people who are uh, real hardcore adherents to a god are zealots. And uh, look back to the Inquisition, for example they're not usually really that like, good of people themselves. And they're, uh, the way they reach out and uh, harm others in order to make them follow a god has always rubbed me the wrong way to have them be the good guys in a, uh, in through much of uh, literature. So uh, it's a funny book. The, uh, there's a lot of action, uh, fast-paced narrative. Like I said, I did not read the book. I listened to it fully. So that obviously changes things a little bit. Um, if I was going to give it a starred review, also sorry I forgot to do that with my review with Harry Connolly a couple weeks ago, I thought that I had done that ahead of time, and then when I realized I hadn't, it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I was a little bit tired. So uh, I would probably give this a good solid four-star rating. Um, the book, as I've joked with uh, C.T. Phipps's stuff previously, that um, he's not going to win a Pulitzer Prize with this, but it sure is entertaining. And since that's what the objective is, then I'm going to uh, say that he did a good job of it. Uh, my little bit of snobbery, I know here for not giving it a five star, but I don't know. I guess if I don't have the uh, strong emotional uh, connection feeling, then there's always going to be that little bit that I'm going to just write off. It's just my own prejudice that I admit exists. But I certainly think that uh, it is was enjoyable. I look forward to listening to the next one. And uh, I hope that this is the kind of thing that he could just keep on doing. And um, I think a lot of people would enjoy the books. Um, if you're looking for a true high fantasy, this isn't it. But it kind of has a, you know, it has that fantasy D&D feel. And uh, to go along with kind of like a that uh, detective or spy narrative as well. I would recommend it, and I think that everybody who, uh, if you're going to listen to this or read the book just because of Spiffbo, I don't think you're going to be disappointed that you either listened to it or read it. All right, let's go ahead and get to our interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you. The Nerd Book Review is happy to welcome James Jenkins, author of Son of Thunder and Jack Bloodfist Fixer. He is a finalist in this year's Spiffbo 2017 writing contest. How are you today? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. I really enjoyed the book, and I am happy that I'm able to get an interview in. 
I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's, that's like the best thing anyone can ever tell me if they had fun with it. It was a lot of fun. I, I made the joke that um, a lot like uh, um, C.T. Fitz's books, I, I wouldn't say it's going to win a Pulitzer, but it sure is entertaining. I did not write it to win a Pulitzer, so <laughs> it achieved the one thing I wanted it to do, so that's good. <laughs> nice. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Uh, yeah, so uh, I was born in South Africa. Uh, my family moved to the States when I was six. I uh, grew up in Utah, and that, that's my life. It's super exciting. <laughs> How'd you uh, end up in Utah, then, from South Africa? <laughs> oh, man, so... Grew up in a super small town. And my dad just likes to tell the story that he got lost and decided to just stay there. But really, it's just that uh, his family left first and kind of ended up there, and we just followed. Oh, nice. And uh, where were you at in South Africa? Uh, all around. I was born in Durban, but I think we were in Johannesburg before he left. Why Utah? I know you said that it was just a, a small town that he ended up uh, in. But... Uh, the whole family's Mormon, so it's the the logical choice for him. There you are. That yeah. makes a, a lot of sense. Here in, uh, I'm just outside of Boise, and so we have, uh, the town I actually grew up in is called Middleton. It's like 30 miles west, and it's mm -hmm. about 80% LDS, so I understand. Yeah, I think they called it the Jello Belt or something, <laughs> instead of the Bible Belt, because it's where all the Mormons settled. Okay, well, do you have any hobbies or interests outside of writing? Uh, yeah, I'm a huge gamer, so video games, tabletop gaming, uh, my happy place is around a table with friends rolling dice. That's if I have the option, that's what I'm doing. Any games in particular? I uh, love D and D. Uh, huge fan of the Call of Cthulhu game from uh, Chaosium. Lately, I've been playing a lot of uh, Tiny D6 or Tiny Dungeon, which I just backed on Kickstarter a month or so ago. Super minimalistic, really just focused on storytelling, and I I really like it. Awesome. Yeah, my wife and I uh, we we're not like super uh, hardcore gamers, but we play a little bit of Catan and uh, there's a, a zombie one that we really like as well. That's a survival game. Okay. How did you get into writing? So in the fourth grade, I think our teacher was just sick of looking at us. So she stuck us in the computer lab and told us to write a story. And I wrote a really horrible one about uh, two kids in a rollerblading race against monsters. <laughs> Then we had to read it to the class, and uh, our TA at the time was still in school, and she was she said one of her professors was publishing a book about the creative process in children, and she asked if she could take my story and give it to him to use in his book. I have no idea if he did or not, but that was like this, ooh, I'm published now, you know, as a 10-year-old, <laughs> so I kind of just liked that high and kind of stuck with it. <laughs> awesome. And uh, did you have any, like, author influences growing up? Yeah, so as a, as a kid, I read a lot of, uh, you know, the classics, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien. I was a huge uh, Redwall fan. And then, uh, like, 13, I was introduced to The Wheel of Time. So I think Robert Jordan may have been my biggest influence in my younger years. Oh, man, that, that sounds almost exactly like my uh, my reading growing up. I love the Redwall books, and I am so excited that I finally have a son, and I am going to get to read those with him here shortly. Well, that, that'll that be good. I, I love those books so much. Oh, I, yeah. I can't read a fantasy book without like a feast scene. If there's one missing, I feel like there's something wrong. They If there's one thing those uh, mice and birds loved, it was a feast. 
<laughs> yeah. And then uh, I, the same thing with the the Wheel of Time. In fact, I was a I was a pretty good student actually, but I would get bored in my English class, and I had an English teacher who whose husband read the Wheel of Time, and she handed me the book one day and said, "Read this, please," and stop talking in class. And I was hooked from there. Oh, nice. It's a good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Man, I almost oh, wish that happened to me, but my cousin introduced me. I didn't talk at all in class, so my teacher didn't have to introduce me to anything. <laughs> uh, what do you like to read today? Uh, so currently, I think my favorite author at the moment is Terry Pratchett. I'm slowly working my way through all the Discworld books. And I am just in love with them. Incredible. Uh I've, because of Wheel of Time, become a huge Brandon Sanderson fan. I just finished Oathbringer. Have you read that one yet? You know, I don't know it's if you're a, Yeah, I just never, I could, for some reason, I couldn't get into the first one. Okay. And so, uh, but I love, I love the Mistborn series. Yeah, I gave up on Way of Kings halfway through and then finally just forced myself to get into it. And the, the last half was amazing. And I was hooked. It was the first book of his I'd read that wasn't Wheel of Time. The Oathbringer was incredible. And I kind of hate him a little bit for how good it was. <laughs> That guy um, is just prolific, too. Oh, man, yeah. It's frustrating. <laughs> uh, other than that, um, Robert Jackson Bennett, his Divine Cities books, those are probably my top five ever. Uh, and, do you uh, have, oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, so I've been on that. Uh, Richard Matheson is a big one I like. Uh and the list left me now, so go ahead. Oh, no worries. Do you read any like detective books or uh, like you know like mystery books like that? Not really. Um, my reading is primarily just fantasy, okay, and some nonfiction stuff every once in a while. But yeah, they're just the reason I was asking that is is that that your uh, that the the Bloodfist uh, Jack Bloodfist books really kind of reminded me. Uh, my wife and father-in-law like to read those uh, the mystery ones as well, like the detective mm-hmm. mysteries, and it just I got a real strong flavor of that within within this. Well, that's that's good to know. So that's kind of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure if I could do it right because that's not you know my normal reading. Yeah, so. understandable. So, real quick before we get into the actual uh, the Jack Bloodfist books, uh, what is your Son of Thunder series? So the Son of Thunder, so that's the first in uh, what I'm hoping is only going to be a trilogy. Um, I'm calling Thunder's War. That's uh, a secondary world fantasy. It's probably the closest thing to a traditional fantasy I've written. You know, a secondary world, magic. Uh, I think the thing that stands it up, sets it apart is kind of the setting. You know, it's kind of a 1920s-esque world. Uh, dragons are used as generators because they produce electricity, so you'll plug them in got a uh, magic assassins kids with superpowers and and but about 1920s technology yeah so there's cars trains guns but just magic thrown in there cool and you're gonna go and you have the first one of those written and then first one's done yep um second one i'm hoping to release in november of 2018 Okay, and then are you planning on doing um, a second, like, full Jack Bloodfist novel before that, or? Uh, no, not before. It is, I'm planning on that one. So Freelancer is the second uh, Jack Bloodfist book. It will be, if everything goes going to plan, December 25th, 2018. Oh, okay, and then you do have a short 
uh, story as well in the Jack Bloodfist one, correct? Yeah, there's a novella, uh, First Fixer. It's a prequel starring Jack's dad. So it's a Gary Bloodfist. Oh, okay, will that start off then with him still in the old world and moving to the new world? Uh, so that one takes place about a year after they've uh, come to the new worlds. Oh, okay. Just because I wanted to show little Jack watching cartoons. That was like my one motivation to write that story. So <laughs> Nice. So getting into the actual uh, Jack Bloodfist, um, can you give us just a, a quick overview of the synopsis? Yeah, so uh, Fixer is about an orc, Jack, living in a small city in Virginia. And he kind of makes his, uh, his living helping out his orc and goblin cousins, making sure they stay out of trouble. Uh, they are they integrate properly with uh, human society, just so they don't kind of get kicked out, as it were. And then, uh, in the process of doing this, a uh, paladin from his family's old world shows up, looking for revenge, and just starts killing orcs. So Jack's got to do his best to uh, protect his family from this religious zealot. <laughs> yeah, and what's funny is is that at first you kind of uh, get the feeling like Jack hasn't done a lot of fighting. He's, I mean, his goal is really to to stop troubles. But those orc genes do kick in as the book goes on, and and even though he gets his butt kicked quite a bit, he still uh, he does his fair share of of butt kicking. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, in book two he might impress readers a little more because he's kind of realized he can't get away with not getting his hands dirty so he's practiced a little bit <laughs> yeah and he definitely takes more um after the orc side of the family even <laughs> though he is uh half orc and half goblin yeah yeah uh the half the orcs i think he just probably spends more time with them because he looks more like them but and the goblins kind of stick to themselves more so he doesn't have to do as much work with them so yeah and then when we talk about the old world and the new world the old world was uh in a different plane of existence is that is that how you would describe it as a plane <laughs> yeah existence? plane's a good way i i kind of think of it like the uh i don't know if you read a lot of comic books like the multiverse type thing it's like there's earth one earth two it's not earth but it's just kind of a different dimension okay yeah that that's totally understandable and and there are a multitude of, I guess it's the multiverse, and so there's yeah. more than just the, the two. And mm -hmm. a, a question that I have, so in this book we'll deal with, um, I guess, Selkies, and oh, maybe I shouldn't say Selkie. Do, would you consider that a spoiler? I don't, but other readers have considered it one. Like, I've just come out and say it, but I've had other people review it, like, ooh, I'm not going to spoil this one for you. Well, so I won't maybe won't say who the Selkie is. <laughs> okay, as the author, that you you get to choose whether it's a spoiler or not. And so we're going to deal with like a multitude. We're going to have dwarves. We're going to have elves. We're going to have the orcs and goblins. And as you said, you have that. You can definitely tell that uh, strong D and D influence in this. Oh yeah. Now, are the dwarves and elves, and I guess the Selkies, are they native to Earth? Then yes, they are native. Um. I made them native because you can actually find pre-existing folklore about all those races. Okay. Yep. Orcs are kind of like there's Tolkien, you know. Yeah. Or uh, as I was a uh, well, actually, I played more. Of, I, I was that awful uh, WoW player who started off as a troll warrior, 
and everyone made fun of me until they um, until the first expansion when they suddenly became totally amazing as uh, two-handed uh, war like DPS characters. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I um, so I understand the the trolls and the uh, the orcs. Well, actually, we don't see any trolls actually in this one. Not in this one. They they do exist. I have a plan. This my second Gary novella features trolls heavily. <laughs> All right. So. So we're going to have that strong D&D influence then. And so some of them will be uh, native to Earth and some of them will be part of the uh, other planes. As the series goes on, are are you planning? I kind of see this one as not just having to be like a trilogy. I think this would actually be the kind where um, I'm really struggling for names right now. But you would get uh, like a detective series that where they have like 20 books over, you know, like 30 years or something. Yeah, I would love to do that. Right now I have a four book arc plans for Jack. It's kind of, I don't like there's the framing story in that first one to kind of wrap that up. And then, yeah, if a story comes to mind, I just plan on telling it, you know, but yeah, it it could go for as long as I can think of stories to tell in the world. Yeah. I mean, the way it's written, it's not, uh, it doesn't have to take a, a a point A to point B story arc for by any means. Um, as you continue on, you've already mentioned that there's other races um, coming in future books, but um, how did you decide on how you were going to write um, Jack as the uh, the protagonist and our paladin as the antagonist? So when I was first kind of deciding what my next project was going to be, because this was the first book I'd published, but I'd written a few others before, and I needed a break from like the epic fantasy I was trying to write. And so I was pitching ideas to a buddy of mine. It's like, oh, I have this idea for a thriller starring with goblins in it. And in my original plan, the goblins were the bad guys because they're goblins. And my buddy came back and was like, well, I only like that idea if the goblins are the heroes. And so when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? That's the best idea ever. And so when I started kind of outlining the story, I made the conscious decision that the races that are usually the bad guys have to be the heroes. That's why we have an orc hero. That's why uh, that's why the Selkie is on the the good guy side. That's why um, Detective Halderson, our Drow detective, like except for one famous example, Drow are usually the bad guys too. So having all the traditionally villainous characters being the heroes, I knew I had to then have the traditionally heroic characters be the villains, and paladins were just the perfect choice for that. Yeah. Well, and with my background as in religious studies and our history. I've always kind of thought about the fact that honestly, most of the time, the in real life, the characters who would be like the paladins, they're usually zealots, and they're not really all that good of people. Yeah, the farther I got into my first draft, the more I realized that. Like, why are paladins ever the good guys? It makes no sense. Well, I mean, it really doesn't because most people are just trying to live their lives and not be bothered. And you have those religious zealots out there just who. <laughs> They're pretty certain that if you're not doing exactly what they want, then you're a bad guy. Yeah, and it makes it makes for a great villain. So I, I'm I was very happy when I was finished with that first draft about the choice I'd made there. <laughs> very nice. Now the one character who I um who's kind of like the wild card is your wizard uh, Jackson. Yes, is he? Uh, I'm. I'm trying to think of the the way to to phrase this question of 
he's not really a good guy or a bad guy. I mean, he's on the good guy side for this one, but you can see where it seems like, you know, he does a lot of damage to a lot of people as in the, the random, you know, sections he's in. What's his deal? So Jackson, uh, he is my, and this could be a spoiler for people, but I'm just going to say it. He is my Randall flag. If you know who Randall flag is. You know what? Unfortunately, I have to okay. admit I don't. Um, so Randall Flagg is a character of Stephen King's that he uses in almost all of his books. And I have so, to admit to not being a big Stephen King guy. No, so that's fine. Um, you read? Have you read any other Sanderson books other than Mistborn? You know, I haven't. Okay, he's got a character like that as well that he uh, just throws into all his books named Hoyd. So I don't want to give too much of Jackson's story away, but let's, he's in everything I write. Oh, okay. So he does he have a um, a parallel then in your Son of Thunder series? He has. He's in two scenes in Son of Thunder. He's kind of there. So as, as uh, Jackson. He, yeah, he goes by Jackson. He's not very original, so he just uses his name. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and. <laughs> so does the human population in this one um i know that there's some other supernatural stuff but are for the most part they just ignoring what's happening or oh man yeah so i kind of uh retcon this after i finished the book and i'm writing it into the sequel so it makes more sense uh in this world most people just ignore the supernatural but it's also because the supernatural elements kind of they congregate together more. So like the city they live in Somervale, it was founded by gnomes a couple hundred years ago as kind of a place for other races to live together where the humans might not be able to bother them as much. So if the orcs ever left Somervale, they'd probably be given a lot more crap than they are now. But Somervale is kind of the safe place. And the U S government is, I mean, I imagine that they, they know about it because I know that the, it's kind of seemed like the big corporation that we're going to deal with, who's kind of like the spooks there. It seemed like they maybe know about it, but aren't too knowledgeable. Yeah, they're, they're aware of the existence of the other, but because the orcs and the goblins are relatively new to this world and they exist just in this one place, it's a lot harder for most people to know anything about them. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That's kind of like the feel that I got when I was reading the book. But um, I just wasn't entirely certain. It was something that I, that I wondered the whole time. Um, have you, how did you get around to, or, or I guess what was the process for getting an audiobook created? So the audiobook's actually super simple. Um, Amazon has a service called ACX, which is a, the Audible Creative Exchange. And once you've published a book through any of the other Amazon channels, it pops up in that uh, that catalog and you just, Go in, claim, say, hey, this is mine. And then you open it up for auditions and narrators just start sending you recordings of, you know, whatever audition scripts you put out. Then you pick the one you like. It was a really great experience. The guy who narrated Fixer, uh, Rich Remedios, he, he was awesome. I loved working with him. And I definitely hope he's willing to do book two with me. Yeah, and I, so I I, I prefer for the most part to, to actually read, uh, well, a Kindle version because, I have such horrible eyesight. I hate I, for some. I just don't like the lighting with an actual physical copy. But 
I think that there are certain genres, and yours fits in as kind of having that a little bit of detective novel feel, and that just works so well with an audiobook. And I felt like, I mean, maybe the reading the, I mean, I only read a chapter or two just to get a feel for the actual, you know, the writing style. Mm-hmm. But I really do feel like the best medium was audiobook for reading your or for for consuming this novel. I think so too. But I, anymore, I only read using audiobooks, so I'm really biased. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, what I find is is that in certain um, like genres, I just have too much trouble paying attention, <laughs> and I I think that there was just enough action with with yours that it was. And and the humor, there's a lot of really dry humor that I think comes across really well in the audiobook version of yours. I, I think it helps too that, and I've had some readers complain about this, but it's something I like about the book. Jack's addressing you as the reader. He, he knows you're reading his book, so he's talking straight to you. And I think that helps having someone talk to you when they're saying that stuff. Yeah, well, and I think that, that um, I read one. It wasn't a bad review, but it was kind of like a, a medium, you know, middle of the road review, and that the, they didn't like that uh, him talking to you as much, and kind yeah. of like you get a, a stream of consciousness that I think really does come across very well in the audiobook format. Well, I'm glad you thought that. I think I know what review you're talking about, <laughs> and it was it was a good review, like you said. But yeah, that one aspect's like, oh, you don't like Chet talking at you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, I, I think that in audiobook it really comes across uh, well uh, that's because good. of that. So, the what are you, um, I guess, planning on doing? You said you have an actual four arc or four book arc at the moment planned. Mm-hmm. Um, where where's your kind of? Are, are you planning on staying all on Earth, or are you thinking you're going to move on, or? So the uh, the fourth book in that arc is going to take place within that framing story. Okay. If you don't remember that part, yeah. So yep. uh, the first three books are going to be getting to that point, and the fourth book is what happens there and how that's resolved. Okay. Okay, that makes that makes a a lot of sense on that. I really do think that this is the kind of book, a series though that. If you did 20 of them, that once a year I would, you know, get them on audiobook and just spend a day and enjoy getting into my Jack Bloodfist series. I think that this is for me because I don't love those like, you know, just pure detective like mm-hmm. like 1920s or 30s style, especially that like, say, my father-in-law or my wife likes to just to randomly read or listen to. I think that this that the Dungeons and Dragons, like modern urban fantasy, but with orcs is the kind of thing that a lot of people would enjoy as a, uh, you know, your once-a-year popcorn type of read. That That is my hope, and that's exactly what I'm going for. I just, I want people to have fun with these books, and I want to be, want to come back for more. So hearing you say that kind of makes my day. Thank you. <laughs> so what do you have planned uh, going forward into the future, then? Do you have anything other than The Son of Thunder and Jack Bloodfist that you're you're going to try to do? Yes, I do. I actually just released a, uh, a post that I sent out my newsletter a few days ago with my plan for 2018. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to be a big year. Um, in Jul- July, I'm releasing a novella. I actually wrote it as a Christmas gift for my sister. So it's a weird uh, – she wanted a cozy mystery, so I wrote a cozy horror for her. <laughs> 
Uh, and then I, in August, I'm releasing a book, hopefully, if I can get it ready in time, uh, called Knights of the Dead God. And it's actually starring Arthur Shields. Oh, okay. So it's kind of his redemption story, where he goes from being this awful religious zealot to being not such a bad guy. Yeah, and, and Arthur, I've got... Oh, what's for, that? For, sorry, just for listeners, Arthur Shield is our main bad guy paladin in this story. Yeah, he, he's a he's kind of an asshole. But I'm hoping I can get people to like him as much as I do in this uh, this little kind of spinoff series. So I've got that one coming, and as well as uh, I've got a sequel already in the works for that one. And then after that, uh, yeah, then it's Thunder's War and uh, the next Jack Bloodfist book, uh, Freelancer. Oh, wow. You definitely have a was busy, my plans for 2018. You have a busy team. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping I can do it. I've got my calendar, like, this many words this day. Got to get it done. But I, if I stick to it, I think it, it should be possible. And and so you're are you a full time author then? I am currently. I've got some part time stuff, but nothing that gets in the way of the writing all day, every day, if I can do it. Awesome. Yeah, that's one thing it, that has. So this is my first year of of doing actual like book reviews and getting more into the uh, like deeper into the thing. And it, it really surprises me with the number of even fairly big time authors who still have a day job with the way the publishing world works these days. Yeah, it's the. The smart thing to do is to keep the day job. So, <laughs> um, what has your publishing experience been like? Did you try to go through the the query system, or did you go straight self publishing from the beginning? So for Fixer, I just went straight self pub. For some reason, I just had the feeling that no one would want that sort of book. Maybe I'm wrong. If someone wants it, hey, let me know. But uh, yeah, I just went self pub. I wasn't planning on doing it originally. Like. I was going to just, you know, send it out, do the shotgun approach, see if someone wanted it, liked it. But, but everyone was kind of telling me, Hey, you should try self-publishing. You should just see what happens. You know, I said no, because I was a stuck up snob, like a lot of readers. And then I read a few self-published books. Like I think I read, uh, the thief who pulls on troubles braid, which was the first Spiffbo winner. And it blew me away. And then I read, uh, Rachel Aaron's Nice Dragons Finished Last and found out that was self-published. And that was it. That was it. I was like, all right, if books this good exist in this uh, this realm, then I'm, I'm okay being in that same category. So yeah, then I did all my research and I self-pub Fixer. And I haven't looked back. I, I enjoyed the experience too much. I like being in control of everything. So you like dealing with the, self, uh, the self-promotion and social media then? Okay, I hate that. I hate that <laughs> so much. But I like the uh, I like formatting the books. I like commissioning the art, and I like uh, hitting that publish button. I'm awful at the social media stuff. That's why I like Spiffbo because it's kind of doing the work for me a little bit. Do you think that being a finalist in Spiffbo has helped your sales? Yeah, it's uh, it hasn't been record breaking, but I've definitely seen spikes. Like that first day I was announced, sales were very, very nice. Has it, has it helped you? Have you been able to connect with other authors a little bit because of it? Or? Um, not so much, but only because I'm so bad at that. <laughs> yeah, but it has true. made me aware of a lot more authors that I definitely plan on following going forwards. Yeah, I know as a 
I guess as a reader, well, the first book I I uh, read that I that I knew was self published, and that I I mean I I read a lot of the, like the Kindle Unlimited stuff that I'm aware is self published that I just read because there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I think it was uh, a Dirk Ashton last year who uh, finished third actually. But I read that book, and then I was like, oh wow, this is a self published novel, and then. That's what got me into Spiffbo was because of Dirk Ashton. And yeah, there's just it's such a the top end of self-publishing is every bit as good as the the big guys these days. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I, I don't know if I qualify quite as much as everyone else, but I that's my goal. I want people to at least think that about some of my stuff. Yeah, and your series is a little bit unique for the other finalists in uh, Spiffbo. Yours is the sixth of the finalists I've read, and most of them are... Actually, there's a surprising range of... But they're usually more of a traditional uh, fantasy for the most part. Yeah, I really hesitated to submit Fixer. I almost entered last year, but I talked myself out of it. Um, But this year, I just went for it, said I'll never know unless I try. But uh, Mark Lawrence actually has a disclaimer on the like call to authors page. Like, and just so you guys know, urban fantasy probably won't work for you. Not that it's bad. It's just that our judges probably lean more towards traditional. So I was, I did not expect fixer to make it to the semifinals, let alone the finals because of that. And who is your uh, blog? Uh, Lynn, Lynn's books. Okay. And have you, have you uh, interacted with them much and, uh, not really. Um, and we had like one short exchange on Twitter. Like she posted that she was going to be announcing the finalist and I replied that I was freaking out and <laughs> she made a comment that she was freaking out more than I was. Uh, that, that was it. That's the extent of our interaction. But I feel like she's my favorite person ever just because of the review she wrote for me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it is, it's just, it is a, it's a cool thing to be, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not a blog that is part of it, but I am going to try to interview all the finalists, but it is, it's been fun just with like the different books and the different types of novels that are, that are a part of it. And it's your book is, is one that I really enjoyed, but I probably wouldn't have, you know, read just without Spiffbo, just because it's not in a genre that I I typically do with the 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 more modern urban fantasy, and so it is nice. But, but Dirk Ashen is the same way though, because his is a modern urban fantasy, and it's Paternus, so, right? Yep, Paternus, and so it is. It's something that uh that I I think is is cool to that you know Mark Lawrence is doing, and that that uh is nice that, that a blog chose uh, that that urban fantasy because it really is an entertaining book. Oh, I like to think so. So yeah, I oh. I think I just got lucky with blog placements. Like I don't know if any of the other blogs. We'll see when they start writing their reviews. But I think I got lucky being placed in Linz. Yeah, I know there aren't too many of the the other blogs that have have done the reviews as well. And I think that one thing with yours is it really is going to depend on whether a blog wants that uh, more epic fantasy style or they're just happy to be entertained. You know. Yeah. Real quick, the Son of Thunder. Are you gonna? Is that is that one that you're looking to get um, traditionally published in, or is it traditionally published? No, it's self published. It was actually a semi finalist in this year's Biffbo as well. Oh wow! Uh, I don't know how it became a semi finalist because based on the review, the blogger did not like it at all. But uh, 
Yeah, I did submit it to one small local press, but like right after I submitted it, they changed like their uh, what they were looking for in books, and they had a very prominent point that said we don't want overly violent stories, <laughs> and apparently Son of Thunder is that. So <laughs> I'm I'm saying that's why they rejected it. <laughs> All right. Is there anything uh, that you, that we missed that you would like to? talk about or have included in the interview uh no i think that's good i just please give fixer a chance you might like jack more than you expect and where can we reach you at so you can find me on twitter uh my name is at beth tiva b-e-t-h-t-e-v-a or you can follow me on facebook uh at james jenkins author and i uh i try to respond to any and every message people send me I'm also on Goodreads, if that's your preferred uh, outlet for book stuff. So. And you do have a blog, correct? I do have a blog. I am horrible at updating. I think it's been almost a year since I've said anything on there. Yeah, I think it was I should like try to do better. July, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I I think about it all the time. Like I should I should post stuff on here. I'm also on Patreon. I'm a little more active there. I post uh, previews of whatever book I'm currently writing. Okay, so that, that's an option too. But this has just been such a fun experience for me because I'm—I mean, I'm a huge nerd and I love my um, reading. And it is—it's really fun to just get to talk to authors and and kind of get their what their mindset is on on what they're writing and and why they did do what they're doing. Yeah, I've, I've had a blast with Spiffbo. I mean, I haven't interacted with a lot of people, but the few people I have, like Nerd Book Review, have been awesome. So. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on, and I hope that you have a wonderful New Year's Eve. You as well. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Take care.